Let us pray. Shatter the silence, mighty God, with your glad and glorious greetings. Banish all our fears and give us faith in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. If there is anything said from this pulpit that is against your will, let it come to naught and do no harm. But if there is anything said from this pulpit that is according to your will, let it be heard as if sung by the voice of angels, that hearing we might believe and believing be more loving. Amen. Have you ever been in one of those situations where you just want to run and hide? Yeah. Like Rachel earlier in the service, when, when I was supposed to walk over and do the passing of the peace, and she was looking at me like, Nate, are you going to do this or not? I think you probably felt like maybe that was a good time to run and hide. Yeah. 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 You've been there. Have you ever been there uh, in a place where you just want to run and hide? I, I, I have a friend who went to a funeral for another friend's dad. He knew the dad, but he didn't know the family well or anything. Mostly he just wanted to go. He wanted to offer his sympathies to the family. He's a class act, you know, one of those kind of guys. The funeral home was pretty full when he got there, so he didn't see his friend right away. So he just got in line. You know the one where you, you go up to the casket and you see the deceased? And then you go to the families and they receive the condolences. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was a long line, but he waited for it patiently. Finally, it was his turn to say goodbye to his friend's dad. And he looked down into the casket. And it definitely was not his friend's dad. <laughs> he was at the wrong funeral. The family looked at him sideways and waited for him to come over and offer condolences. Have you ever been in one of those situations where you just want to run and hide? I saw a tweet from a teacher. He said, today nobody showed up for my 8.15 a.m. class. Zero students out of 40 sitting in the empty room. I emailed them trying to disguise my hurt feelings. Two minutes later, I get a reply, Professor, we think you might be in the wrong room. <laughs> you, ever, you ever been in one of those situations where you just want to run and hide? And I heard another teacher tell her story about her first day at a new high school. She walked in with a pep in her step, ready to teach young minds all about American history. One of the security guards in the school pulled her aside before she made it to her class, and asked, is this your first day? Wipe that smile off your face, he told her. Don't you know that the students you're about to go and teach are some of the worst behaved students in the school? The kids are trouble, and your smile won't help you. Welcome to our school, right? Have you ever been in one of those situations where you just want to run and hide? This is how it was for Moses in his first days and weeks in the wilderness as they traveled between Egypt and the promised land. When God put him up to the task from the flames of the burning bush, Moses knew it was going to be tough sledding. He even told God that he didn't think he was the right man for the job. But God said, I will be with you. Ah, good assurance, but sometimes that assurance 
while nice and all doesn't seem to cut it. And on that one day in the wilderness, with all the people complaining about his leadership, how they didn't have anything to eat or drink, and berating him for coaxing them out of Egypt in the first place, I wouldn't blame Moses if he wanted to run and hide. But then God told him to go out in front of the people, take your staff in your hand, the same one used in the Nile, the same one you've been carrying all this time, and strike the rock, and water will come out of it for all of them to drink. And he did. And the water came, and they drank. Moses didn't need to put on any kind of special costume. He didn't say any special words or even use a special staff. Just go out in front of them. Just as you are. Just as you are, Moses. I don't need you to be anyone else. Just go out. Follow my words. And God makes the miracle. Only thing, Moses, you have to be is yourself. I'll do the rest. That, I think, is something for all of us who seek confidence. Confidence does not look like trying to be someone you're not. Confidence is having the wherewithal to show who you really are, which is enough. You see, embedded in each one of us is the very nature of God, the Spirit of God. And it has been there since the beginning. When God sent a wind to sweep over the water of the chaos, just before he said, let there be light, it was that same wind, the ruach in Hebrew, the very breath of God that was sent through the nostrils of the first humans and brings them to life to tend the Garden of Eden. The same wind burst forth on the very first Pentecost when they were gathered together after the resurrection of Jesus, sent from the upper room to go be the church, to go change the world. It's the wind that did it. That same wind, the Ruach, lives in each of us. That is who we really are. That is our divine self. From before all time, it's been there. Confidence does not look like trying to be someone you're not. Confidence is having the wherewithal to show who you really are, to show that all of that ruach is inside of you. And that wherewithal is everything because there living next to the divine spirit, the ruach, is our false self. The false self doesn't want you to believe anything I just told you. The false self is somehow skeptical of God, but very sure the world is out to get you. 
And that your only chance is to outmaneuver it. The false self is the one that tells us we have to do it all, the one that tells us we can do it all, that we can save ourselves even. The false self is the one that sets us up to fail. And it's the false self that gets Moses into all his trouble. You see, Moses met God in the burning bush and did just what he said. He went and confronted Pharaoh, and he told Pharaoh to let God's people go. And he led the people across the Red Sea and through the wilderness to the promised land. Toward the promised land, it is, because when the people were searching for the shape of the new community, Moses went up Mount Sinai, he received the Ten Commandments from God, and then when they complained, he helped them to rely on God for their needs, even for water, even from a rock, right? That's the story of Moses. But Moses, even after all that, never makes it to the promised land. All because there's another story of water from the rock. This one's recorded not in Exodus, but in Numbers. Biblical scholars can't agree about whether this is one story told two different ways or two occurrences with different endings. Either way, we can learn something by setting these stories side by side. In Numbers, the people complain, just like in Exodus, same complaints even. In Numbers, God tells Moses to pick up his staff, just like in Exodus. In Numbers, God tells Moses to go to a rock, just like in Exodus. Only in Numbers, God tells Moses to speak to the rock, not strike it. What does Moses do? He lets his false self convince himself that he knows better than God. And so he strikes the rock and water comes out. The people drink and Moses gets the credit but loses access to the promised land. How much better would all of us be if we were just willing to give God more credit? To be willing to cast aside the ego and the pridefulness that we carry around because we need credit and say more and more, this is what God has done. What a beautiful prayer that would be for all of us to leave with today. This is what God has done in our personal lives, in our professional lives, in our families, in our churches. This is what God has done and is doing. Moses, of all people, having been there before, it was not his first day, should have known that he didn't need to puff himself up with pride and be anyone but himself. He didn't need to run and hide, but certainly didn't need to try to be God either. Confidence comes from knowing and balancing these things. Ralph Waldo Emerson says, To be yourself in a world that is constantly trying to make you something else is the greatest accomplishment. In her TED Talk, Amy Cuddy suggests that something as simple as as posture can bring about confidence. 
She shows how expressions of confidence and power in the animal kingdom are about expanding. So making yourself big and stretching out. You take up space. You're basically opening up. It's about opening up, she says. And she says, what do you do when you feel powerless? We do exactly the opposite. We close up. We wrap ourselves up. We make ourselves small. We don't want to bump into the person next to us. She says, again, both animals and humans do the same thing. And she goes on to talk about power posing, which I love. She says that there's the wide stance with hands on hips like Wonder Woman does two things. I can feel it right now. She says, does two things chemically in the body. Kind of want to stay right here. She says, it raises testosterone and lowers cortisol. The perfect combination for the kind of assertive but not reactive person we might want to be in a stressful situation. And then she advises to take two minutes before you go into the next stressful evaluative situation that you have and for two minutes try doing that pose in the elevator in a bathroom stall at your desk behind closed doors that's what you want to do configure your brain to cope the best in that situation get your testosterone up get your cortisol down don't leave the situation feeling like oh i didn't show them who i am leave the situation feeling like i i really feel like i got to say who i am and show who I am. That's what we want. That's what confidence looks like if you're seeking confidence. The science tells us that. The scriptures tell us that. Be yourself. Your true self and nothing more. Howard Thurman said, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive which is exactly what that teacher did in that high school after she was pulled aside by the security guard, the one that told her to wipe that smile off her face. She didn't run and hide. She kept smiling. She kept smiling and went into that classroom with those students every day. She kept smiling and taught them all about the Revolutionary War and the Civil Rights Movement she kept smiling and got to know who they were and how they thought. That's how the Spirit of God moved in her. And through that consistency, that tenacity, and the smile she refused to wipe off her face, at the end of the year, the security guard stopped her in the hall again. But this time he had a humbled look on his face. Do you know that your classroom went from being... One, we were being called about the most to this year being called about the least. She didn't say a word. She just put her hands on her hips like Wonder Woman and smiled back at him. Amen. <laughs>